You know, I want to spend some time talking today about um, love. And I want to spend some time talking about the relationships that we all have. You know, we, we have relationships. Some of them are good. Some of them are bad. Some of them are kind of in between. Some of them are a work in progress, uh, whatever. But part of our human nature is this aspect of being able to be in relationship with others and to experience love with other people and to share love with other people. It really is the thing that makes us human. It's the thing that kind of differentiates us from from all of the things that God has created in this life. This is the season of Lent, and during Lent we remember uh, the relationship that we have with God and how God has established this relationship so that we could be renewed. We could be forgiven of the sinful things that we've done in our life, and we can come back to God. We can, we can share this life with God the way it was always intended to be. Well, we know Jesus died on the cross for us. And he died for each one of us. It's something that we've heard repeatedly over the years when it comes to Lent and our relationship with God and, and being redeemed by the sacrifice of Christ. But sometimes it just, you know, we hear it so many times, it loses part of the meaning that it should have in our life. The fact that Jesus died for us. <clears throat> Excuse me. I want to tell you a story. It's a it's a real life story. It's absolutely true. There was a young girl by the name of Lisa. And Lisa was about seven years old. And she had a very rare uh, blood disease. Now this blood disease was one that was shutting down organs in her body and and she was in the hospital, and they were desperately trying to get this situation under control. You know, they were trying all kinds of treatments and therapies and medications and all kinds of stuff. But nothing was working. You know, finally it got to the point to where they realized that if nothing else happened, if nothing else could help this girl, she was going to die. And that was the that was the pathway that she was currently on. Well, it so happens that she had a five-year-old brother, uh, younger than her, of course, and, and this brother had the same rare blood disease, too. But some, for some reason, his body had started to produce antibodies, and he had experienced the same kind of life-threatening illness, but when his body started making these antibodies, it, it saved his life brought him back to a point of health. So here's Lisa in the hospital, and nothing is working. Her body is not making antibodies, and, and she's struggling just for life itself. Well, the doctors and, and the parents came to the little boy who was five and kind of explained the scenario to him and said, you know, really the only hope that she has is if, is if you can give or you would allow us to do a blood transfusion. But he agreed to the blood transfusion, and everything was going along just fine. And suddenly he, he just kind of lost this, you know, content look on his face because he was helping his sister. And he looked very worried, and the doctor said, what's the matter? 
And the little boy looked at the doctor and said, well, how long before I die? You see, he thought, he misunderstood. You know, the room quickly filled with emotions. But he misunderstood. He thought that by doing a blood transfusion, he was going to end up giving his very life in order to save his sister. <clears throat> During the season of Lent, we're remembering the sacrifice that Jesus made on our behalf. The fact that Jesus gave his life in order to redeem each and every one of us. This is a season where we remember the sacrifice. We remember our very need for God. We look at who we are before a holy and perfect God and remember the fact that, that we have a fallen nature. And that fallen nature has, has created a separation between us and God. And we need to reestablish that if there's any hope for the future. But unfortunately, we can't do it ourselves. Only God can do that. You know, let me put this into perspective a little bit. One of the things that I have the privilege of doing is is being with people during some of the, the biggest hardships of their life. You know, and especially when a loved one is dying or very, very ill and in the hospital. During those moments, I always hear comments that are like, you know, I would do anything in order to help them. Or I would gladly take this illness upon myself in order to save so-and-so. Or I would give anything in order to bring them back to health. Well, it's, it's the love that we have inside of us. It's the love of our human nature, the ability to love. This God-gifted thing that we have that allows us to establish a loving relationship with other people. Now, there's a lot of things that cause people to, or allow people, or incentivate, incentivize people to, to reach out and to put themselves in harm's way. Like, you know, look at police officers and firemen and, and soldiers. <clears throat> you know, there's a care and compassion and a love toward other people and communities and, and ways of life and so forth. And these are the things that motivate us to, to, to get past ourself in order to put ourselves in harm's way for the sake of other people. The scripture I want to tell you about today is one from the book of John, and it is John 15, 13. I want you to remember this scripture throughout the rest of Lent, throughout this whole season, the next couple of weeks. And John 15, 13 says this, says, greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. Let me read that again. Greater love has no one than this, to lay one's life down for one's friends. You know, we're talking about giving up everything. We're, we're talking about for another person. We're talking about, you know, laying your life down so that another person can live. Or laying your life down so another person can be healed. It's one of the most difficult choices that we'll ever make in our humanity. Is that choice out of love to lay our heart down or our life down for another person. There's a, a book that I just 
finished reading here recently, and it's called uh, In the Heart of the Sea. It's a story about this whale ship uh, named the Essex. And this is actually the story that inspired the book uh, Moby Dick. Well, the Essex, it's a true story, was rammed by a large whale a couple of different times uh, repeat in, in succession and ended up cracking the boat and wrecking uh, and, and creating a hole and the boat filled with water. And, and I mean, they're a couple thousand miles away from shore, you know, hunting whales. And all of a sudden, this ship is sinking because of this whale attack. Well, there was 18 people on board this ship, and and they get on these little dinghies that they used in order to chase the whales with, and and all of a sudden, the boat's going down, and they're scavenging, they're scrounging to, to get any food and water and any, um, you know, equipment that they could use to plot their position. They're, they're going through all of this stuff in a in just in such a hurried fashion because the sink the, the ship is sinking. Well, it doesn't take long for the ship to sink and all of a sudden they find themselves in the middle of the ocean, 2,000 miles from from shore and with very, very limited water and provisions and only a few pieces of the equipment that they need in order to determine where they are and the course that they need to take. This is a true story. Unfortunately, in this story, the, the ultimate question arises, and that is, what would you be willing to do for the benefit of your shipmates or for these people that you've been, you know, on this whaling expedition with for months? What would you be willing to do so that they might live? That was the question that arose. Unfortunately, they had to turn to cannibalism. They were starving to death, and some actually died from starvation, and, and they reverted to cannibalism, trying to keep themselves alive. But then, again, that ultimate question came up. Um, there's no food. We're not getting any fish. We don't have any water. We don't have anything. Would someone be willing to sacrifice themselves so that the rest of us might live? You know, it's a, it's a gruesome story and it's a gruesome thought. But it brings to light, it brings to the forefront that question in our humanity, what would we be willing to give up for the sake of other people? Well... I want you to think back on the times that <clears throat> that Jesus interacted with various different people in his ministry. We we all know that Jesus was hated by the Pharisees. They didn't like his mission. They didn't like his message. They didn't like him. Uh, the, Jesus was preaching against them in many respects, and they hated Jesus, and they they plotted against him. They wanted to kill him, to get rid of him, so that they could reestablish things the way they used to be. And yet Jesus died for those people. He died for those Pharisees. He died for those religious leaders that were conspiring against him. So that they might be able to accept, to accept a reestablished, a renewed relationship with God the Father. 
We remember the story about Jesus before Pilate. You know, Pilate was totally indifferent to Jesus. I mean, he was willing to sacrifice this man uh, that he found no fault in. He was willing to sacrifice Jesus, let him be tortured and die on a cross, simply to, because of the political unrest or the problems that it would create in, in, uh, in his jurisdiction there in, in Jerusalem. You see, Pilate didn't want any, any rumblings about riots and things like that getting back to Rome because then he would have to face severe consequences. So Pilate, he just said, okay, you want to crucify him? Go ahead. And yet Jesus died for this guy too. And what about Judas? We all know the story about Judas. He, you know, he always had his, his hand in the money pot and, you know, he sold Jesus out for 30 pieces of, of uh, silver and, and even Judas the one that spent so much time with him, the one that saw the miracles, the one that, you know, lived in relationship with Jesus, sold him out. And yet Jesus, again, he died for this man. This man that would have nothing to do with him, that sold him out, that, that turned him over to the religious leaders and the authorities and the Romans to crucify him. You know, after Jesus died, we don't know a lot about what took place with the Pharisees. We don't know a lot about what happened with Pilate. We don't know a lot about what happened with Judas. But what we do know is that the disciples continued on this mission that Jesus had called them to. You see, the disciples had accepted Jesus in the life-changing life that Jesus lived before them and with them. They accepted it. Even though history tells us that each one of them experienced horrific deaths. Their families were tortured and, and killed unmercifully. And yet their lives were forever changed because of the love of God, the love of Christ for them to be sacrificed on the cross. And that whole experience, that whole thing of watching Jesus and living with Jesus and learning from Jesus, and it changed who they were. It changed their lives. It brings up some of the ultimate questions. Do you really want to know Jesus in a life-changing way? Because if you do, it's going to cost you. It might not cost you your life, but it certainly will cost you your comfort. If you want to know Jesus in a life-changing way, are you willing to give up your own understanding of things or your own sense of security? Are you willing to go wherever he sends you? And are you willing to share with other people the hope that you have in your own heart through the work of Christ on the cross? Are you willing to be humiliated or to be mocked or to be looked at cross-eyed by people because you, you believe that the, the sacrifice that Jesus made on, the, on the behalf of all humanity is something that needs to be 
professed. It's something that needs to be shared with each and every person. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not talking about ramming the Christian faith down people's throats. I'm not talking about that at all. I'm talking about sharing with people, taking advantage of the opportunities that God gives to each one of us to be a Christian witness with other people, regardless of what that means. For me, it meant that I went into ministry full time and I moved. I did things. For you, it might mean that you share the good news and your faith and, and, and your Christianity with family and friends and, and you live your life without being ashamed of it as a Christian. It might mean that you have to yield your understanding and your beliefs in certain things and maybe the things you want to believe in for the sake of what God has given to us in his word is truth. You see, the ultimate question that each one of us has to consider during Lent this year is whether or not we want Jesus in a life-changing way. It really is the question. It really is the thing that we need to understand and that we need to answer in one way, shape, or form. Remember those words I started with. Greater love has no one than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. But there's another verse that goes along with it. And the next verse is, you are my friends if you do what I command you. You see, what Jesus is saying here is that if you really want to be in this intimate, personal, loving relationship with me, then we can be friends, but only if you love me and trust me enough to follow me. And following me means that you do the things that I call you to do. You, you're obedient to my call on your life. That you trust in me more than you trust in yourself and in your own understanding of things. I mean, it's a heavy price for human beings, for people to pay in order to be in that lasting, loving relationship with Christ. Are you willing to do that? That might cost some of us more than others, and, and it probably will. But in, in the end, the question remains, does Jesus mean enough to you? Do you love Jesus enough to want to be his friend? Well, I just hope and pray that as the season goes on and all these things continue to take place, that you and I both will remember this and kind of consider it over the next few weeks as we head into Easter. Thanks and God bless. Tough Questions for God is a teaching ministry of the Rosebush United Methodist Church where we challenge our faith with some of the most difficult issues. Tough Questions for God is available on Facebook Live Sundays at 11.30 a.m. or go on our website at toughquestionsforgod.org and just follow the links on the homepage for YouTube or via podcast. Thanks for joining and don't forget to like and share. God bless.